Welcome to the Smarter Healthcare Podcast, where we meet the brightest minds transforming healthcare, with your host, Kathy Susich. Welcome to Episode 17 of the Smarter Healthcare Podcast. Our guest today is Aboud Shabalut, CEO and founder of Diagnos. Aboud is here to talk to us about artificial intelligence and how it's being used to improve medical coding and reduce physician burnout. We also talk about the future of the AI market in healthcare. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Aboud. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Could you start by talking a little bit about your background and about why you started Diagnos? Thanks for having me on the show, Kathy. I'm an attorney by education, but I've founded a number of companies in the healthcare space. The reason I started Diagnos is because I noticed a few issues that were just prominent in clinics uh, throughout the country uh, based on some of the other uh, projects that I've launched. And to be more specific, one of the issues that I, that I discovered um, is in the area of medical coding and billing, where providers spend a lot of time and effort, um, also find that there are a lot of errors and mistakes that cost them real dollars and cents at the end of the day. So when I launched Diagnos, the idea was to help providers pick better medical codes using artificial intelligence. What that has evolved into um, is a is a platform from which we're helping uh, and offering EHR productivity for clinical teams, and and that's what we're doing at Diagnos now. And what is that link between medical coding and EHR productivity? Coding is one of those interesting things in healthcare because it kind of feels like it was just thrown on providers. It's a translation of of what the provider did and what the provider is uh, seeing as as being um, the patient's issue or ailment into a language that third parties can understand. Um, and the most prominent of those third parties is an insurance company that's eventually going to reimburse the provider. So codes uh, will either turn into money or they'll turn into information um, that third parties will use to manage whatever it is that they need to manage. Another example here is the government using codes to manage population health. When providers go to medical school, they're not trained in this translation process. They don't necessarily know how to do it. In many instances, it's just thrown at them and they're expected to do it. Therein lies uh, a lot of issues, um, and I'll go into a few of them now. And many of these issues uh, directly impact productivity. And, and it might be actually better if I just bring it to life first. So as a provider, you're going to see the patient, and you're probably going to spend around 15 minutes documenting that patient encounter into an EHR. So you're going to write out their history of present illness. You're going to write out the review of systems and physical exam. At the end of all of that, you're going to want to document the diagnosis or series of diagnoses that are relevant to that patient encounter. And many of the EHRs have you pick those uh, from a drop-down list. Um, so what you, what you as a provider end up having to do is at the end of this 15 minutes, going to a specific page in the EHR, finding the search bar for those diagnoses, and then you just start searching for them. 
Um, so if you're searching for asthma, you'll type AST and then you'll get a bunch of uh, asthma related codes and you'll probably going to get a few dozen codes and you'll scroll through them hunting for the right one and then you'll pick it. Um, and if you're a primary care provider and you're going to and you're managing a, a patient with many chronic issues, you're probably going to have to pick 10 of these. So you're rinsing and repeating this process. 10 times um, if you don't already have the code memorized uh, in the back of, of your head. So as far as I'm concerned, that's a very redundant process because if you think about it, the provider spent 15 minutes documenting. So this, this asthma was already addressed in the documentation, but now they're having to go a second time to search for asthma and, 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 and in order to document it in the way that the EHR wants it to be documented. Um, and the reason I think that's redundant is because why search for asthma if you've already addressed it? Why can't the documentation be the search? You know, the, the, the solution for that to be is to have a machine be reading the notes and giving you those results. So rather than make you search for it again, just give you those results based on um, what you're searching and, and spoon feeding you suggestions that you can pick. And that is the, the type of solution that we've envisioned that diagnose and that we're, we're deploying. But the main point here is that redundancy produces inefficiencies and those inefficiencies can be made less efficient um, with, with predictive technology. Another part of the story of, of why medical coding is, is inefficient is the way that the EHR has you input the information around the patient encounter is very much siloed from page to page. So to bring this to light, let's say the the meat of the encounter is in the is in the history of present illness. That's where you're, you've documented all of the patient's issues and, and, and all of the surrounding information around that. Where you put the diagnosis is going to be in the assessment page. By the time you get to the assessment page, you may have forgotten some of the, the, the things that you have addressed. So you are now toggling back and forth between EHR screens. The obvious solution to that as well, you know, rather than force you to toggle from page to page, why not give you your diagnoses or give you the search bar to find your diagnoses on every page or have it follow you um, from, from section to section in the EHR and therefore avoid the toggling and therefore avoid uh, many unnecessary clicks. Um, so those, those are just two areas where coding itself is adding to the amount of time that it's taking a provider to sign off on a note and, and get to the next patient. I was just going to say, I think one of the really important things that you've just brought up too, in terms of this time and efficiency, um, I mean, I know that there's a big conversation going on in the healthcare world right now about physician burnout. And it seems like it, all of this contributes to um, that burnout and the time that physicians spend on the EHR. 100%. When you look at the statistics around burnout and, and the studies around burnout, they're often centered around two big issues administrative work, that's just, you know, clinics and hospitals are piling onto the provider and the EHR. So two different things, they're often conflated. 
um, but but two very different things. And coding is one of those things that's both administrative and EHR related. And that's one of the reasons why particularly I'm, I'm focusing on it, but I've also seen it be a problem um, in some of the other companies that I've started and, and managed. Another interesting point about um, coding is you do have medical coders who are certified in medical coding. So they go to trade schools and, 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 and they get the certification and they do the work. So, so clinics and hospitals will often have in-house medical coders or outsourced medical coders. And they have technologies that help them. They help technologies that help them to get to the right answer. But providers don't. They're almost left to their own devices. I mean, really at best, all they have is that search bar in the EHR. I mean, they're not really provided much, much support. Um, so we, you know, I personally view it as, um, uh, as, as a gap in, in the spectrum of, of solutions that are out there in the spectrum of technologies that are out there in the world. It seems like medical coding is just, it's one of those things that sounds mundane, but really has a huge importance. Oh, absolutely. And just to uh, go back to a thought, um, uh, I didn't really finish it, which is that if you look at the studies of burnout, coding and billing related issues are are directly um, cited as sources of burnout. And the EHR itself is cited as a as a source of, of burnout. The way I look at it is as consumers, we have a lot of technology at our disposal um, to uh, help us be more efficient, but really, um, what it's doing is it's 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 helping us save time, um, and it's helping us reduce our personal burnout. But providers don't exactly have that today. Great. Now, can you talk a little bit more in depth about how exactly Diagnos works? Absolutely. What we've launched with is an an AI assistant. Uh, and it's basically a sidebar that integrates with a provider's EHR, and it integrates in, in in such a way that it feels like it's a part of the EHR. So they're not dealing with two disparate systems, two two separate windows that they're toggling back and forth from. And what it does is it breeds. Um, and it analyzes uh, various metadata surrounding a patient encounter and or the doctor's note itself uh, to start recommending codes to them. Um, and, it, and, and it will not only recommend codes, it'll, it'll recommend um, documentation improvement suggestions. Um, and, and one note here is, you know, depending on, on the type of work that a provider will do, um, they either look at codes as codes or they look at them as diagnoses that they're going to they're just going to, they're going to chart um, in, in, in the EHR. So there's a, there's a little bit of a, you know, an importance of how language is used, but it essentially will, will predict um, the codes or the diagnoses with one click, a provider um, can add that diagnosis both to the chart um, and to the billing uh, screen within the EHR. Our hope is that providers will be able to pick codes faster and more accurately, um, given given the the level of intelligence that the system is providing them. Sounds interesting. Now I know there's been a lot of talk about AI in healthcare over the last several years. What do you think we've gotten right about AI, and likewise, what have we gotten wrong about it? What I think we've gotten right 
is is an understanding that AI will play an important role in our healthcare system. So I think that is spot on. Um, and the reason for that is because we see the role that it's playing in in every other industry. What I think we've gotten wrong is our understanding of what AI is and how um, it will play the role that we want it to play. And um, there's a couple things where um, I think, generally speaking, we're we're getting it wrong um, in terms of our under, of our understanding. And and first of all. AI itself is such a broad term and it's such a broad technology and it's, it's, it's not new. Um, AI is, is really synonymous with pattern recognition and the packaging of that pattern recognition in a way that, that's useful to a user or an organization. And when you think of it that way, you can imagine um, there are some very basic patterns that we can focus on recognizing, and there's some very difficult and complex patterns that that we can focus on on and recognizing. And that the AI itself is not going to recognize everything. It's very much about pattern recognition, and furthermore, the scoping of that pattern recognition. Like, what is what is the pattern that you want to recognize? So that's that's the that's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, and it kind of dovetails with that is that we think of AI as this black magic and it's it's not. Again, it's 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 very much a iterative uh process that helps a human either predict something or recognize something without necessarily putting in the effort to do it themselves. Um but what it's not going to do is think on its own, although we speak of it in, in in human terms, at least in this stage, and at least for the foreseeable future, um, as far as I'm concerned, it's not thinking in a way that a human is thinking. What it what it is doing is recognizing patterns at scale in a way that a human won't be able to to do. If that if if that makes sense. And the last thing here, um, just dovetailing off of these two points, is that we often think about AI and 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 the algorithm um, that's that's crafted as the important element and it is so i don't want to undermine that the most difficult and the most important aspect of ai is the infrastructure behind it all the data piping that's behind it and more importantly your ability to match the right type of data to the right type of question. Um, and that infrastructure is the hardest part to build out. The, the algorithm is arguably the easiest. And there, there are a lot of open sourced algorithms that people use. Um, but that, and even if you're writing your own algorithm, that's, as I mentioned, arguably the easiest part. The hardest part is the infrastructure and the infrastructure around it. Another way of saying this is that AI is not necessarily a thing, it's a, it's, it's a system. And, and I, I often explain this to healthcare organizations. The need to explain this often comes um, from the conversation that I'm having with them where the expectation is, hey, the system is going to do everything. But really, it can't do everything. It's only going to do something that's as good as the data that is, is at our disposal um, and, and the ease of access to that data, our ability to narrow the scope of what, what that system is going to accomplish. Now, do you think that COVID-19 impacted the AI market in healthcare? And if so, how? Absolutely. 
the first reason why is, uh, you know, as, as the old adage goes, uh, necessity is the, the mother of all invention. And COVID-19 really put pressure on the healthcare system in a way that it hasn't for, for a long time. I'll give you an example. So after college, I, I had the opportunity to go do telemedicine research abroad. And uh, this was in 2008. And at that time, there was a lot of discussion about telemedicine, telehealth, and how awesome it was going to be. And then you had your naysayers and you had, you know, people who were prophesizing about the future. You know, if you think about it, you know, we've had a slow and steady adoption of telemedicine over the past decade, but it's really COVID forced us to really depend on it 100%. It's like, and people were realizing, hey, we could have been doing this all along at this scale. But many, you know, many people just didn't really want to adopt it for a variety of reasons. Pandemic really put pressure on cost um, for the system. And it really put pressure on, on the rigidity of our healthcare system. And we realized, look, we, we need to be nimble at moment's notice, whether it's because now we need to treat patients from home or it's because now that we need to figure out how to use our EHR to roll out administration of vaccines. I mean, you know, the, in, we sort of kept running into these issues. Um, and definitely, I mean, we're seeing now the investment in healthcare technology across the board from organizations, uh, which, is, which is really cool to see. Now, often when we've thought of AI in healthcare, we've thought about these sensational applications such as robots performing surgery, but it seems like that's going to shift now to AI that addresses issues like we've talked about physician workflow and burnout. Why do you think we're going to have that shift? Just time and interaction with this with this thing right now, the narrative is sensational, but just like with anything, these sensational goals are, they take time. I'm, I'm sure you've read about IBM Watson and, and their missteps and, and, and how, you know, the feeling was the performance was going to be, you know, much, much greater than it actually was. Now, you know, personally, um, I think that the, the goals of Watson are awesome. I mean, that is, the, these are the ideals that we need to set in place. But um, truthfully, I, I think there's so many, so much more lower hanging fruit that can have an impact today in the world of AI. So I think that definitely the, the promised land is predicting disease. And, and that's what we all want. But there are so many things before predicting disease that um, are much easier to accomplish and will almost guarantee value add in the day to day of both patients and uh, the caregivers. And those are coming out. I mean, there are so many startups and, and technology companies working on these things as we speak, just to just to make it a little bit more consumer facing. I mean, right now, um, as consumers using cell phones um, and as you're texting a friend, the, 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 the technology behind whatever texting app you're using is, pr is probably giving you predictions about the next word that you're going to use. And, and as a consumer, it arguably makes your, your, your life that much easier and that much better. Now, was that technology the sensational thing that was all over the internet um, no, it kind of just happened. Like as consumers, I mean, I, I don't know how your experience was, but my experience using my cell phone is it kind of just happened and it was just there. And I don't really think about it as AI, but it is AI. 
we're interacting with AI technology. Um, and that, I believe, is going to seep into our healthcare system. And the more that it seeps into the healthcare system, the more we stop thinking about AI as a sensational thing. And we realize, hey, look, th there are much more day-to-day -day, um, use cases um, that, that we're going to be interacting with. Now, if we're looking to the next year or two, what do you think we'll realistically expect to see when it comes to AI and healthcare? Exactly what I just mentioned is multiple use cases where you you don't even you probably won't even know that you're working with an AI system. But what you probably noticed was, hey, this thing that I that I'm used to doing just got that much easier. I'll give you an example. I personally haven't seen a doctor in, in, in a while. So I'm, I'm thinking of, I, I, so I thought to myself, Hey, or actually my wife told me I need to get a checkup. So, um, I ended up, uh, scheduling, uh, two appointments with two different clinics as a new patient. That process took me, believe it or not, 30 to 45 minutes. By the time I got a hold of the right person to schedule my appointment by the time I spelled out my name, you know, the, the person on the other line, not getting it right. By the time I spelled out my email address, by the time I gave my insurance member ID, and then by the time I was asked to flip the card and give them the phone number on the back of my ID card, right? That, that was time consuming. It took a long time just to get an appointment scheduled. Now I get it, right? There's a lot of issues. You know, you have to get your insurance uh, uh, eligibility verified. You have to, you know, get a, a the, the, the provider has to get a variety of things right in order for them to see you in the first place. But all of these little things, AI will play a role in, or sorry, I should say many of these little things, AI and a mixture of other technologies like robotic process automation technologies will play a role of in the back end, making it just more elegant. And I think that's what's going to happen um, in the next one to two years is these smaller applications are going to enter the marketplace with this more accelerated adoption of technology in the marketplace. And it will help make our, uh, the, the, our interaction with our healthcare uh, system that much more elegant. I was just thinking as you were describing that process of signing up for a new doctor, wouldn't an AI chatbot be great in that case. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, if we were to look a little bit further out, let's say five to 10 years now, where do you think the AI market's going to be in healthcare? That's where I think there will be the more sensational disruption um, where certain parts of our, uh, of clinical workflows could depend on, and I'm talking about when I say clinical workflows, I'm talking about the actual a treatment of a patient where where there are AI systems that we can depend on. I mean, we're we're starting to see this in areas like radiology. Still not there, but we're making progress. Um, and I think in the next five to ten years, we start to see real use cases there. Um, and 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 that's where I also start to see different parts of the healthcare system that are dependent upon heavy labor be impacted as well, where organize, like, organizations um, that, uh, that, that are producing um, certain type of skill sets um, now have to rethink where 
is that skill set going to be important? Now, in the five to 10 year horizon, I still don't believe that you're going to have mass replacement of humans um, in, in our healthcare system, um, because I think our healthcare system is in such need of help right now that we have a shortage of good professionals across the board. Whether you're talking about a provider or you're talking about a medical coder, there is a shortage, um, in my opinion, of really good professionals. And where I think in the five, the, the disruption in the five, 10 year horizon is to, is to become dependent on some sort of automation, leaving our really skilled uh, and, and the people who are really good at what they do to cater to the things that they should be catering to, not, not to the low level things. And I think that that's what we're going to see in the five ten horizon. Well, Abud, thank you so much for joining me. This was really interesting. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Smarter Healthcare Podcast. To learn more about Abud's work at Diagnos, you can follow him on Twitter at A-B-B-O-U-D-C-H-A-B-A-L-L-O-2. Follow the company on Twitter at Diagnos, that's D-I-A-G-N-O-S-S. You can also follow me on Twitter at KSusich or at SmartHC Podcast. Feel free to get in touch with comments or guest suggestions. To listen to more episodes, visit our website at www.smarthcpodcast.com or find us on your favorite podcast app. I'd appreciate if you would subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening.